This is Broadcast, Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. This episode of Talking TV is brought to you by post-production firm The Finish Line. Uh, the firm's worked on shows such as Vicious, Hollyoaks and Hunted. This week, they're working on Walking the Americas, October Films' latest Leveson Wood series for Channel 4 that sees the explorer trek 1,700 miles along the spine of the Americas from Mexico to Colombia uh, on air in early 2017. So that's what's going on with The Finish Line this week. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Talking TV. I'm Peter White. On this week's podcast, we speak to Channel 5 Factual Commissioner Guy Davies and Sundog Pictures Creative Director Sam Anthony about MPs behind closed doors. We find out how they persuaded Jacob Rees-Mogg, Nick Clegg and Naz Shaw to open their constituency doors for the documentary. And as a little Christmas treat, we also track down Michael Rosen, author of a revered kids' book, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. We talk to him about the television adaptation for Channel 4, which sees Lupus Films give the tale the snowman treatment. That's all coming up on Talking TV from Broadcast. First up, MPs behind closed doors. With unique and exclusive access, this Channel 5 film places cameras inside the offices of three high-profile politicians. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Nick Clegg and Naz Shah are seen dealing with local constituents who raise issues such as mental health problems in the community, immigration issues and a fear of Brexit. Uh, the doc is produced by Sundog Pictures and includes an AP credit by former broadcast reporter Balahar Kalsar. Uh, here we speak to Channel 5 Factual Commissioner Guy Davies and Sundog Pictures Creative Director Sam Anthony. But first, let's hear a clip of the documentary. Tessa Cruikshank wants to challenge Jacob on his support for Brexit. Well, I voted to remain to start mm-hmm. with and I live in this constituency. I mean, I feel traumatised, I have to admit, by the whole result, actually. I didn't know where this notion of being a Great Britain is, is coming from because all our options have been closed off. I felt that I woke up the next day and I I no longer had the right to live, work, study in Europe or 27 different countries as I do now. And neither does my daughter and the the generation coming up. And I think it's a huge loss at this time. We need to control our own borders. And And that's what all this is about. It's It's all about immigration. It's not all about immigration. And and I don't believe that the referendum should have been about immigration and refugees. It's a democratic decision of the British people. Oh, no. I think that word is much abused, I have to say. I'm Guy Davis, uh, Commissioning Editor of Factual at uh, Channel 5. I think this project sort of came originally from a uh, conversation and a taster tape, which went, I think, directly to Ben Frow, who then passed it on to me. It was a really strong taster tape, and it felt kind of alive and interesting. We obviously do GPs behind closed doors. It felt like a good place to potentially rig. Uh, it felt like somewhere that we hadn't been. Uh, it felt like it was a way of getting the popular nerve, the popular opinion from people, um, and it was a way. It was a way of presenting politicians in a new way. And I think that that's one of the things that really appealed to me was that politics on TV is hard. It's not. Uh, it's not a ratings driver. Uh, it's not something that Channel Five do very much. It just felt like a really interesting approach to that. And why shouldn't we be doing politics? That's sort of, you know, kind of what we felt. Let's let's do it. So the documentary uh, stars three politicians, Jacob Rees-Mock, Nick Clegg and uh, Naz Shaw. Uh, who, were they on the Taste of Take themselves? No, they weren't. They were a different cast on the Taste of Take, weren't they, Dove? I think. Yeah, we had um, Nick Clegg and um, Simon Danchuk was actually on the Taste of Take. So how did it start from your point of view before, uh, before pitching it to Ben? 
I think it came from the watching the movie In the Loop, the Armando Anucci film, and that scene at the end where Tom Hollander's character, the MP, meets Steve Coogan and have that uh, hilarious argument about his mum's garden wall. And I think that just started a discussion at Sundog about, oh, I wonder what conversations MPs are really having in their surgeries. And, and also the idea that, that, that um, when we talked about it a bit more, the idea that by the time you go and see your MP, that's normally you're at your wit's end. Um, whether you keep stubbing your toe on a paving stone that needs to be fixed or you're about to be deported and all points in between, uh, we just felt that kind of all human life, basically, if they're in real trouble, does go and see their MP at some point. Um, and that just felt like, as, as Guy was saying, a kind of antidote to... We wanted it to be an antidote to the cynicism around politics because um, lots of people work very hard in political life to try and make a difference and uh, they can get misled or they can overclaim on their expenses or they can sometimes lose their way. But but generally there are lots of people doing really good work up and down the country every week. Uh, and it just felt like a really good way to sort of take the temperature of the nation. Was getting access difficult? What was interesting about it was I think all the MPs generally all said that it was the one part of the job that they enjoyed the most. So you'd gone to them with the idea of going into the constituencies? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it was quite a clear, simple proposition. I think like, the best sort of TV ideas are, but they were, you know, they're all quite genuine. It's the part of their job that they enjoy the most. It's away from the Westminster bubble and their face-to-face contact with the people that actually elect them. And if you look at kind of Western democracies around the world, it's quite a, it's quite unique, the fact that you can go bang on the door of your MP once a week if you've got a problem. Uh, I think especially in an era now where people feel more disconnected from the people that rule them. It's, uh, it just felt a really interesting time to do it. What were you looking for in, in the MPs themselves? Were there certain characteristics you were looking for, certain types of politicians? We definitely wanted a range. So we wanted one from each party. And we did actually start with Nick Clegg. Nick Clegg was on the taster tape and uh, was in the subsequent programme. And that actually, looking back, it was a while ago now, but that was because we had a meeting with him where we were talking to him about various different TV ideas. So he was already predisposed to make a television programme. And so that helped with the access because once we had him on board, which we did get him on board quite quickly, then I think everybody else took their cue from that and they were happy to follow. Um, but we were we were definitely looking for somebody from each party um, there weren't that many UKIP people to choose from, and so they didn't feature in the programme. But we wanted a range of backgrounds and also a range of constituencies because we felt that um, Rhys Mogg's constituency is in Devon. Is that right, in Devon? Uh, Somerset. Somerset, I beg yeah. your pardon. And so we knew that the, the concerns of his constituents would be different to those from, say, Bradford, which is where Nashar is, or Sheffield, Hallam, which is where Nick Clegg is. We just felt that actually by choosing carefully, you could actually reflect a real range of experience all across the whole country. Yeah, they're interesting politicians themselves, yeah. relatively well known in, in the scheme of things. I think it was important, actually, that we, uh, when it came to the final cast, uh, that they were politicians that people knew or had some uh, something about them that was, was in the public eye. So I think if we'd gone with um, backbenchers that nobody had heard of, it would have been a very different programme. It wouldn't have had the attraction. So I felt that when we got to the cast, it's, it was brilliant and it just had exactly the right mix. You know, Jacob is, uh, you know, slightly eccentric um, and has, does his, you know, his travelling surgeries. That felt kind of like a good part of the mix. Uh, Nav had, had that, you know, sense of had some notoriety, um, and also felt you know that it was a completely different environment um, up in Bradford. Uh, and Nick 
Clegg felt interesting because he'd been who he had been. And that sort of felt like, well, what's it like then to be back, as it were, on the backbenches and doing that job of the everyday MP? So it kind of felt, it felt a very rich mix, actually. Nick still did his surgery every, every week when he was Deputy Prime Minister. Yeah, He was still up there every Friday seeing his constituency. He's very popular up there. Regardless of what was going on in the world? Absolutely regardless. He's got quite thick skin, but yeah, he very much loves his constituency. And Guy, you mentioned at the top there, you know, doing politics on television is quite tough. It's not the sexiest of, mm. of topics. What are the challenges to make it more interesting for the audience? How, how did you try and get that into a, into a Channel 5 programme? Well, I think the I mean, we, we went into it thinking uh, we're not trying to make an entertainment programme here. We're not trying to make, turn this into something that it isn't. Um, I think the uh, important thing for us was, uh, you know, we're going to play this in prime time and it should feel like an entertaining show. Uh, it should be an entertaining factual show. Why should politics be dull and boring and discussion-based? This felt like an interesting place, as I say, to rig, because it felt... I mean, one of the things that Dov and I discussed quite a lot was whether we should be very pure about about it and just keep it within the surgeries. And the more we discussed it, the more that seemed like as a format. And whether GPs had was in the back of Mao's or my mind about that, I don't know. But it felt like a purer idea to just keep it there so that you could then intercut from one to the other and play off the different nuances between the discussions up in various places. It just felt like that made it an interesting programme um, and something that uh, we could we could put out as both, uh, you know, yeah, politics with a little p, but but actually an entertaining factual show. Uh, and I think they really achieved that. Was it always intended as a, as a one, or, or did you see it going between We had three some discussion... Well, what do you mean, sorry? Uh, as in three parts with three different... It was always going to be three MPs. I think we sort of toyed with the idea of four, but um, economics probably got in the way. In the end, three was perfect, I think. It, it was the right balance. We discussed whether we could... Whether this had bigger legs for a series we thought at the time that we should do a one-off piece uh in order to see how it, it would go down um you know it's 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 interesting i think could we commit three or four hours just to a political documentary series i think that would be tough on channel five and i think when we were at the point of commissioning it we didn't know where we were going to end up uh, as you don't with these things uh, so I think we felt that uh, to, to dedicate an hour of prime time to this would be what we'd want to do at this stage. And Dov, were there certain challenges dealing with the politicians in their constituencies? You've obviously got the, the dealing with the constituents themselves. But, were people open to having um, their, their issues on television? Not all of them, though. I mean, you know, I, I would say we probably had something like a 60% drop-off rate of people that just didn't want, you know, their, some of their intimate, most intimate problems to be filmed and aired on national television, which is, you know, which is all fine and that's kind of what you expect with these kind of shows. We needed to have a, a variety of constituencies, so immigration being a big issue in Nazi surgery, to just reflect the kind of problems that Britain was facing. Sarah needs a statement from the council to get extra learning support from the school. The first application uh, failed, so we put together with the school an appeal. But unfortunately, the deputy had actually admitted that she'd forgotten to submit the appeal. So we had to start from, from fresh. When he went into year six, he couldn't call. He had a breakdown and he cried and he screamed. I want to stab myself in my effing head. I'm a stupid, sick, pathetic idiot. I am scum. Some some of the stories that you hear are so sad. You just you know you just 
you sit there and you, you, your eyes are welling up whilst the constituents sat there. And that's, that's um, because you're, you're human and you, your heart bleeds for them. There's quite a nice cross-section of issues from the from the minor, sillier items to, um, you know, fear of Brexit, immigration, yeah. Well, that was really health. important. Yeah. That was really important. That's I what think, politicians have to deal with themselves. Uh, absolutely, and I think cutting between the kind of different surgeries and the serious to the kind of more light-hearted kind of gives the show the... Uh, the energy that it's got. I think the one thing I'd say about it as well is that we never really conceived of it as being a politics show at all, in the f- a politics documentary in the first place, really. There's no party politics in the programme. It's never mentioned. You never, you never, I mean, if you didn't know, you wouldn't, it wouldn't matter who, which party people belong to. It's really about the problems of Britain. So it's really about the the idea of the whole film was to, was using this as a cute way of actually looking at what keeps Britain awake at night, um, and the range of, of of things that that are testing people at the moment, and that does range from what's the future of our country going to be, um, to why aren't the lights outside my house working properly, and and everything in between. I think probably before we even brought the um, the tape to Guy and, and the channel, we we sat on on a few surgeries just to sort of see if this thing would work and. When you just sit in and observe and, you know, literally it's almost like a speed dating for the Britain's biggest problems, that's when it really clicked, like there's definitely something here. Sure, it's going to have its challenges with whether or not people would consent to being on TV, but it definitely felt, as Guy was saying, it's a space that no one's really seen before. And how did you get, uh, having John Prescott narrate was quite a nice touch, how did you get John on board? Rang him up. Gave him a call. <laughs> Gave him some money. Well, it, to it just, I mean, if, for, from my point of view, it... I just sort of felt that you could have had a uh, a rather kind of concerned narrator, you know, you get Zoe Wanamaker or something to do it. But it sort of felt like the spirit of it for us at Channel 5 should be, we should go for it. And, you know, John Prescott just sort of felt like a good choice. And, you know, he may not be the most natural voiceover artist, as I'm sure uh, David did the uh, record will uh, um, testify to. But he just, it just had a kind of, charm to it whether it had the kind of significance that uh, the guardian reviewer put into it about it being you know 40 years of political life reflected in that voice and the knowing nature of his commentary i'm not sure i don't think we can claim that but it was a neat idea and it just felt again the spirit of the program was to be a bit playful with all that and how does it fit into channel 5's programming strategy it, it seems that ben's sort of tasking you with doing more ambitious shows like this. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think uh, it fits very neatly, really. The reality of the Channel 5 schedule at the moment is that 8 o'clock is very strong and 9 o'clock is also strong. Uh, And I think as long as we can keep those slots working, as long as we're getting over a million most of the week at uh, 8 o'clock and, you know, a million to a million and a half at 9 o'clock, that allows us to be a bit playful. That allows us to slot things in that we think, well, let's just do them because they're interesting. Um, so I think it's that is this that is part of the strategy that how it fits. It's just something that we feel we have the confidence now to do, uh, as the channel feels it's growing up. And I think it's that you know it's the strength of the schedule overall at the moment that allows us to to do these and to do other you know longer ninety minute docs and all the rest of it. So uh, yeah, it's it's firmly part of that uh, schedule, that um, uh, kind of strategy. And it launched on Monday with uh, half a million viewers, uh, slightly below slot average, but but Ben seems happy and and presumably over-indexed with the ABC One crowd, which, yeah, which is quite important. I mean, you know, this this program wasn't particularly about uh, getting massive ratings. 
Uh, it was we did it because we wanted to do it, and we thought it was really interesting. And actually, the on another level, you know, the reviews of the and, and the the noise that this uh, program has made have, has been amazing. And that's really what you know, being a public service broadcaster is about. You know, you you should make and commission shows which you feel are interesting and are going to be a debating point. And you know, if you look at the way that this this um, this film was, which I you know, and I think it's a really well made film. That's the other thing is that it's a really classy film. Um, it's. It, I think that that was appreciated by the people who write about television, and that is really important to a television network as well as how your programmes are received. So it, you know, it ticks a lot of boxes for us. Uh, Ben's really happy with it. It felt like it was. Uh, the, it was felt like it was the programme of the day. And that for a, for a network is really important because you've got your bankers, you've got your your can't pays that that rate and and, and yeah. those shows, and and that sort of allows you to do shows like this or Accused and yeah. and uh, the ninety minute one you you mentioned and some other sort of bigger projects in in the pipeline. Yeah, it does, and uh, you know, Slum Britain, fifty years on, Accused, they are uh, interesting programs. We hope they'll be successful in ratings as well. Um, but it yes, it, it's a, it's allowing us the strength of the schedule. I think, as you say, the can't pays. The, uh, the the Yorkshire Vets, uh, the Eamon and Ruths, whatever, they are allowing us to, uh, as I say, be more playful and to have more confidence in doing stuff which, you know, no other channel's doing. And Guy, um, you mentioned GPs behind closed doors. Mm. Presumably the behind closed doors is, is now becoming a bit of a, <laughs> a, a Channel 5 brand. Is that something that was on purpose? Do you think that you can spin that off into in other things? You know, it was uh, a conversation between me and Ben and we thought, what you know, we'd thought of a couple of other titles for it, but it just seemed such an obvious title. Uh, it seemed a way of expressing what we were trying to do, and yeah, there's a little, you know, there's a little in joke, if you like, in terms of the behind closed doors thing with GPs, which is one of our, you know, really successful series. It just felt the right thing to call it because that's what it was. Uh, so yeah, it was no more than that. It, there's no big, um, there's ben, no big brand building here. Ben loves a colon in a program, doesn't he? <laughs> he certainly does, don't we all? <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a, it's an escape route often. Yeah. <laughs> um, without sort of saying, have you, you know, are you going to recommission it? Could you see doing more MPs? Could you see doing this, you know, another one-off where you take three more MPs? I mean, we're looking at that possibility. Clearly, what's happened with this uh, is that we've we've alighted on something which has worked. Uh, I think that the really, as Sam says, you know, the really interesting thing about this program, uh, looking at it, was that it somehow manages to catch uh, the public nerve about um, issues, and so it seems to us that there is. This is a very interesting sort of bellwether for public opinion, and a really interesting arena to do it in, uh, where you can see, you know, the the issues that people out there, you know, us, the voters, uh, are, are worried about, uh, seen in a really interesting and I think entertaining uh, way. So, you know, we're, we're thinking. And so what else is coming up on your slate of, uh, of commissions? Well, Accused and uh, Slum Britain at 50 are the big things that are happening at the moment. Uh, and so I'm pretty much uh, nose to the grindstone on those. Uh, lots of returning things, uh, more Eamon and Ruth, um, more Tube. Um, so lots of, you know, yeah, we're, you know, we hope what we're hoping to do all the time is really build those big returnables for us because they just allow us to be, you know, much more confident in doing things like this. Is there a type of show that producers haven't brought you that you would like? Not particularly. I don't like to, uh, prescribe what I'm after because I think you kind of see it when you see it. Uh, but the key thing for us is, um, 
you know, for those big slots is returnability, I think, at the moment. We are looking at formats uh, in a sort of the, you know, rich house, poor house, which we've commissioned, as you know. There is a, a nine o'clock. There is a need for, you know, strong, uh, purposeful, popular, entertaining television, whether that's formats or whether it's access, something like Squaddy's Raw Recruits, which is a really interesting way of looking at kids. Um, that breadth, I think, is really important to us. We're, we are not a niche broadcaster. We are not a 16 to 34 demo broadcaster. We are all adults, ABC One, 1634s. It's the big numbers that work for us. So if we can get a show doing you know, uh, 1.7 million or 1.8 million like um, Can't Pay, that gives us our demos. So yeah, it's 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 more more of the same, but uh, looking for sort of you know new exciting ideas for which will have that kind of returnability at both eight o'clock and nine o'clock. At ten o'clock, probably a little more edgy. I think the success of Gangland earlier in the year made us feel that we can be bolder at ten. Uh, so I suspect that we'll be looking at some. We're probably going to do more Gangland, and I think we're out in the courts today, as I hear. <laughs> we shall see what uh, occurs. But there, I think the. The idea to be a little edgier uh, at 10 o'clock and perhaps just a little bit younger at 10 o'clock, uh, I think, is probably uh, you know, worth thinking about. Um, and Sam, Dov, what's, uh, what's next for, for Sundog? You've, uh, you've had some interesting uh, docs with Reggie and uh, Mary Portis this year. What's, uh, what else is coming up for you guys? We're close to finishing a cutting edge that we're doing for Channel 4, obviously, with David Bedell about his dad who suffers from a rare form of dementia. Okay. Um, so we've been making that for the best part of a year now, actually. Yeah. Um, at the business end of the edit, uh, shaping yeah. up to be a really interesting film. Um, With Charlie Russell's directing that, who directed uh, the Terry Pratchett film about assisted suicide, mm. which won every award going about three years ago. So we're we're pretty excited mm. about that. What other sort of areas are you looking at? There's certain certain genres, certain. Well, we we basically make documentaries, but we do quite a lot of stuff with presenters. We've got we've got a couple of new series which we're not able to tell you about quite yet, but a couple of big new presented series because uh, we've made some uh, headway with that. With Reg, we've done quite a lot of films with Reggie Yates uh, for BBC Three, and latterly um, the last one we made with Reggie was shown on BBC One at nine o'clock. So we've made we sort of punched through with those to a degree. We've made I think thirteen hours with Reggie now. That's been really exciting, but there are a couple of other presenters we're just about to announce that we're working with, which uh, sort of continues in that vein. Well, good luck with that. Uh, Thanks for joining me. MPs Behind Closed Doors is available now on Channel 5 catch-up service, My5. Next up, we're going on a bear hunt. The title of Lupus Films' one-off animated Christmas special for Channel 4. The animation, which tells the story of a bunch of kids and a dog who decide to track down a bear. Uh, The Channel 4 Commission features a voice cast that includes Olivia Coleman, Mark Williams and Pam Ferris. When broadcast's Miranda Blaisby spoke to creator Michael Rosen, he explained why the cast was so compelling. When you get top professionals in, they don't say lines. That's not what they do. They give you a presence. And you never know how they do it or why they do it. You know, with another hat on, I sometimes try to do bits of sort of acting and performance, and I know that I can't do that. So sometimes it's no more than a just a tone of voice, a little hesitation, and a whole sort of landscape of being appears behind them. So if you broke down, say, Pam Ferris's part, I mean, I don't know how many lines she's got. She's got some incredibly important lines to say, but they're very few. And they give you that kind of three-dimensional thing. So 
wonderful. That, that, that is, it's absolutely crucial for an animation because the moment you have a sense, oh, there's an actor there, then the whole artifice falls apart. You're thinking, oh, that was, the, that was the animation and that was the voice. You mustn't think that. You've got to think that's a person. And they, they do that. And you voiced the bear. Uh, what was that like? This, the whole movie turns on this, in fact. You know, nobody else in the whole world, possibly the universe, could, could have done it. It was fantastic fun. I sat in a studio and experimented with different bear noises. And then they discovered that if they slowed me down, or if I did it very quickly and they slowed me down, they could get all sorts of effects. So I think what you've got at the moment is me doing it quite quickly and them slowing it down. So, uh, and also, uh, I'm sure I get a credit for it, but at one point, the dog meets a hedgehog, and the hedgehog goes, and this is especially for the podcast, you get your second performance, here we go. <laughs> and I do believe that that's me. I can't be absolutely sure, it may have been taken from library, you never know, but as far as I know, I in fact doubled up, uh, bear and hedgehog. And was it important for you that it was a hand-drawn animation? Yes, I mean, I'm not a huge expert on animation, and I like all sorts of kinds. I mean, Studio Ghibli, just incredible, you know, wonderful things. And Pinocchio, I'm, you know, Disney, I'm a fantastic fan of it. This has got a very human touch about it. You don't feel it's a machine that's doing it, and that's incredibly important, that the humanity of the events that are being described is matched by the fact that you feel somebody has drawn this. At least that's what I feel about it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the landscape, it feels painted. It doesn't feel slabs of colour. You know, the landscape moves and shimmers and threatens, and that's really wonderful to see that. And you had George Ezra uh, doing the theme song. How did he get on board with the project? He was asked. Clever people involved in the whole production said, let's get in touch with George. I seem to remember there was a discussion early on where people were talking about having a song. Um, I don't think I contributed to that at all. I mean, I obviously put myself forward, uh, said I could do, like, make bear noises, move me to one side, gently. Um, and George Ezra, I knew Budapest, though I didn't know it was him. So I went home and I thought, wow. And I'm, I'm sort of familiar with that sound because to me it sounds a little bit like the kind of folk music that I used to listen to in the 60s and 70s. So I kind of knew this sound. And then what came out, I think, is just incredible because he's... I can't believe he's 23 because it's a song that's full of ambiguity because the you and me in the song applies to many of the characters in the movie. When you try and write poems, sometimes you try to make things quite complicated and sometimes you try to say complicated things very simply and it's incredibly difficult. You know, you think of the greatest songs, they're quite often quite simple. Not always, but they're quite often very simple that express something quite difficult. And he's done that. And has this experience, seeing Bear Hunt brought to life, made you want to pursue any other television projects or seen any of your books brought to life in the same way? Yeah, I'd love to. You know, I've worked in television, I've worked in radio all my life. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love people to be knocking on my door saying, you know that book you did, or you know that... and and. Because by and large they haven't, I've created my own movie channel. So I have my own, 
what you call a YouTube channel, which I'm pleased to say has had over something like over 25 million views. So I sort of created my own movie place because um, I gave up, I got fed up waiting. So I thought, well, I'll do it myself, really. And um, so I'm, I'm very interested in all media. So, yeah. Michael Rosen there speaking to Miranda Blaisby. We're going on a bear hunt. We'll premiere on Channel 4 on Christmas Eve. And that's your lot for this episode. I'm Peter White, and the producer is Matt Hill from Rethink Audio. Thanks to Michael, Guy, Sam, and Miranda. I'll see you on the other side. You've been listening to Broadcast, talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. 